Radio Mano Papachango. shithole country wherever you're living your little shithole town your shithole house this is the week of the shithole here in america our president as i'm sure you know has uh described haiti and africa and honduras and el salvador or the fuck it was as shithole countries you know the other day i did a podcast with uh, thaddeus russell his podcast uh, it'll be coming out soon, I imagine. And uh, he asked me who I hated. And I, I was saying, I don't hate anyone. And, you know, we're talking about wealth, and income inequality. And he was trying to set me up, I think. Um, <clears throat> uh, you know, sort of debate strategy way. Um, but the truth is, I don't hate anyone. And finally, he said, what about Trump? I'm sure you hate Trump. And I, I don't. I don't hate Trump. I pity Trump. Trump is the epitome of the rich asshole syndrome uh, that I describe in Civilized to Death. Coming someday to a bookstore near you. <clears throat> I'm working on it. I am. I'm, I'm finally back in the trenches working on it. Um, but my point in the whole rich asshole syndrome thing is that wealth has a corrosive effect on people and it separates them from... The, their peers because you need peers you need you need people who aren't afraid of you who aren't trying to get something from you in order to be real with you um, you need those people so you can calibrate your sense of what reality is and without them you can get lost and so I don't hate Trump I pity him he's lost who loves Donald Trump is there a single human being on the planet who honestly, truly loves Donald Trump? I, I would bet everything I have that the answer to that question is no. And uh, I'm talking about people who know him. I'm not talking about people who wear their Make America Great hats, you know, uh, and all that kind of shit. I'm not talking about loving him as a concept or a political figurehead. I'm talking about loving the man. I don't think anyone loves that man. And I think he knows it. <clears throat> That's what I see in his eyes. And uh, why the hell am I talking about this? I don't know, just because it's in the news and I was just watching some political show and it's just day after day after day it's incredible the pace you know it's like it's not enough that we have the social media constantly pulling at our attention now we have this insane president reality show going on where every day is another crazy event that pulls your attention away from more important things um just because like we're living through this strange moment in history or hour or day or month or I don't know how long this 
is going to last in historical terms, but it's definitely a very strange time. Novelty seems to be increasing dramatically. It sort of reminds me of the whole Terrence McKenna timeline zero nonsense of years ago. Um, I never understood it. I don't think anyone understood it. I've spoken to people who are close friends of Terrence's and they said they didn't understand it and they didn't think Terrence understood it and they thought it was all just a bunch of bunch of inanity there. But um, I, I do remember that the central thesis was that novelty was something that could be measured and that it increased and decreased in historically cyclical patterns and that we were due for a period of extraordinarily high novelty. Um, <clears throat> he thought it was going to be in 2012, I believe, uh, and tied into the Mayan calendar and his own birthday and all this kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so I don't understand the thinking behind all that. But the concept of novelty as being something that fluctuates uh, does feel like it, it's applicable to to this time it feels like things have gotten very novel very fast every day is a new day where you don't know what's going to happen it could be you know threats of nuclear war or you know the president saying things you can't imagine anyone saying but anyway that's where we are okay news let me give you some news here uh i was just on the duncan trussell family hour we recorded it a few days ago duncan uh, put it up today today's friday uh, so if you're listening to this in real time, you can listen to that conversation over at Duncan's podcast. Just Google Duncan Trussell if you're not familiar with him or wherever you get your podcast. Just look for the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Duncan is uh, one of my closest, dearest friends. I really love that guy. And it's a funny thing when we get together and do these podcasts because um, the nature of our friendship is just extreme vulnerability and uh, I'm surprised we're not like sitting naked in a hot tub we we just like we just peel it all away and go for whatever's happening in our lives at the time and and the fact that there are microphones becomes incidental and that can be a wonderful thing I guess but um it's also uh can be kind of awkward because you end up saying things because you're sitting there with this wonderful friend that you don't get to spend nearly enough time with and and there's just no time for bullshit. So we say really intimate things to each other and then they go out to the world. And in this case, um, most of the, the revelation was coming from Duncan. He was, he's going through a very interesting time in his life, speaking of novelty. Um, he's had some some rough relationship things going on uh and he's at a moment of revelation and he he has met uh had an experience with a woman recently that felt extremely liberating and sort of transformative i would say uh isn't overstating it and so he's doing a lot of thinking about insecurities around sexuality and relationships and possessiveness and jealousy um and uh you know and how those things play out in our interactions with uh, our lovers and so it was a very interesting conversation and um 
Honestly, I didn't. I wasn't sure he'd post it. I thought he might, he might listen to it later and say, "Yeah, fuck it, I'm not going to put this up," you know. But he did, and um, I'm glad he did. So, if you want to hear that conversation, you'll find it on the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Today's episode, before I talk any more, is with uh, a really lovely person, Charlotte McKinney. She's a fashion model. Um, big time fashion model. Like, I don't know if she's been in Sports Illustrated or I don't, I don't remember what cover she's been on. And she's also an actress. Um, uh, she's, but she, she's a bombshell. She's, she's the kind of woman you see if you're a heterosexual man and you just go, oh, you, like you feel it. It, it. There's like a, a palpable sense of physical, like it's like a I don't know like a a wave hits you or something um but inside that bombshell is the the tender beating heart of a really sweet kind thoughtful intelligent young woman and um you know similar to the situation with uh, with Duncan we had a conversation that got vulnerable and and open and um yeah I'm really I'm really touched when when guests do that, especially people whose lives have to be as guarded uh, as someone like Charlotte's. And so it's really always an honor when she when when a, a person relaxes and, and opens up and, and lets us see what's really going on in her life and what it feels like to be her. And I'll tell you, it's crazy. I mean, I had experience with her. Um, I met her through a mutual friend, Simon. And we were all at uh, at a club down on the beach in Malibu, and um, then I I was gonna bail because that I don't it's not really my scene, but you know it was nice to see people there, and so I'm bailing early, and she says, "Oh, let me let me walk you out." Now my car is parked out on the street because I don't like valets, and I don't need to pay someone ten bucks to park my car and steal whatever I've left in there. Um, and I'm like, no, no, it's a, no, don't worry, I'm, I'm out. She, no, you know, I'll, I'll walk you out. I like to, you know, you came to see me, and I'm, and, and she's just, she's a really sweet person, as you'll hear. Anyway, so she walks me out, and she gives me a kiss and a hug, and then I'm, I turn and walk toward my car, and there are all these flashing lights, and, you know, I'm sort of like vaguely aware of them. And like first, I think is that, is that lightning? And now it's not lightning. There's no rain. It never rains here. Um, and then I thought, oh, it's just like a street light. There must be a fucked up street light or something. So I keep walking toward my car. And then as I leave the parking lot, I see that there are all these paparazzi standing there. They're not allowed onto the property of the club. So they're standing there at the edge of the parking lot. And they were taking pictures of me because they saw her kissing me. And they thought I must be some fucking movie star or something. <laughs> So then as I walk by them, they're all like, oh, that's just some guy, you know, that's, that's nobody. And, oh, shit. OK. Um, yeah, but that's the world she lives in. She walks down the street. There are people taking pictures of her like professionals following her around. It's a strange world out there, ladies and gentlemen. Strange world. So last uh, episode, I, I announced that I'm going to be doing this uh, Amazon giveaway occasionally and and the. Uh, the winner would be the person who had bought the, the, the what was it, a ceramic wheel, a pottery wheel or something. And I got like uh, five or six emails from people saying, hey, that was me. 
don't do that. Don't be an asshole. I mean, why would you do that? So they send me these emails. That was me. Okay, there's no Amazon. There's no proof. You didn't send me the receipt. You're just wasting time. You're just being a dick. Don't do that. Anyway, the real winner was Philip Ethington. And um, yeah, very cool guy. And uh, in his email, he asked me to give the $100 to veterans for entheogenic therapy. Um, I had them on uh, a couple months ago. We recorded, I remember, in Denver, Colorado, outside in a park. And uh, yeah, they're doing this work where they're um, making um, ayahuasca-assisted therapy available to veterans who um, haven't, haven't been able to find peace through other therapeutic approaches. And I was so moved that that I uh, I coughed up five hundred bucks at the end of the episode uh, from you from the podcast funds uh, for their program, and uh, so Philip asked me to do the same thing. So I'll be donating a hundred bucks from Philip to the uh, Veterans for Entheogenic Therapy. So that worked pretty well. Thank you for that. Uh, other stuff to tell you about, uh, blame game, Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Very interesting podcast. I listened to recently, Malcolm Gladwell, the, the New Yorker staff writer and, and author of several all mega bestsellers. He has a podcast called revisionist history. It's quite good. I've listened to six or seven episodes probably. And the one I listened to most recently is called blame game. And it's about this, uh, case a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago now, where there were um, there was a spate of people claiming that their accelerators were getting stuck on the Toyota that they were driving and uh, they, they couldn't stop the car and there were lots of accidents and some people died and it was very dramatic and horrible and everybody got scared and Toyota ended up paying out uh, several billion dollars in fines to the U.S. government and also in lawsuits to various people. So Malcolm Gladwell, what he does in this podcast is he goes back and looks at something and sort of, you know, reanalyzes it or looks at it from another perspective. So it's that's why it's called revisionist history. So he looked at this case, got some um, automotive experts, did some testing, um, really dug into it. And what he found was that there was absolutely no fucking problem with those cars. That this was total bullshit. What it was, in many of the cases, was people were confused. They had their foot on the accelerator. They thought that their foot was on the brake. So they were terrified. They were afraid to take their foot off what they thought was the brake. And if they had, the car would have started to slow down. But they kept pressing harder and harder uh, trying to stop the car when, in fact, they had their foot on the accelerator. And the way they demonstrated this was, first of all, all of these cars have the equivalent of black boxes, which register driver behavior. And in no case did the driver, was there any indication that the driver had touched the brake pedal? Um, the other thing is that they took these cars out and they did tests where they held the accelerator down, and they stepped on the brake. So let's assume the accelerator was stuck in full throttle, and they stepped on the brake. The car stopped every time. The brakes will always overpower the accelerator. 
So it's a very interesting situation, not so much for the automotive angle, but to see the way society spins out of control so quickly and how difficult it becomes to focus on the truth when everybody starts screaming. And, uh, you know, we can apply this to so many things that are happening right now in American society and, and also societies around the world. But uh, I won't get into all the different examples, but I, th I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, take your pick. The, you know, in, in politics in America, everybody's screaming. Nobody's making any sense. Nobody's stopping and thinking. And it's really difficult to say, wait, can we just stop and talk about this, you know? Is it possible that maybe it isn't what everybody's screaming about here? No, how dare you? Um, okay, other things I've seen recently that I highly recommend to you. Jim and Andy on Netflix. I may have talked about this in an earlier episode. This is a documentary about Jim Carrey playing Andy Kaufman in Man on the Moon. Uh, Jim Carrey is one of the most interesting people alive for me right now. Uh, if anyone listening to this knows Jim uh and can put me in touch with him and convince him to do this podcast I will cream in my jeans I'll tell you the one thing I'll tell you my pitch to Jim Carrey would be you know let's get together talk for a couple hours the one thing we're not going to talk about is Jim Carrey because I think that's the one thing he's really tired of talking about so if you know Jim Carrey Tell him Chris wants to talk to him. Anyway, it's a fantastic thing. If you have Netflix, I highly, highly recommend it. It's so interesting. There are so many levels of meaning there. I won't even go into it further than that. I also saw the new uh, Chappelle specials on Netflix. Fantastic and very pertinent to um, what's happening right now in, in politics and, and the Me Too movement and all the sexual abuse scandals and all that. Really interesting stuff. I also wanted to steal an idea from my buddy Kyle Tierman. He does a thing on his podcast where he uh, plays sound bites from pe that people send in. And it's really cool. And I thought, you know, I get a lot of emails from people and that's wonderful, but I can't really share them. I don't want to read people's emails to you. I do on Romas, of course, but that's more of a, you know, uh, advice seeking emails. But I get emails from people. They're in interesting parts of the world. They're doing interesting shit. So if you're out there doing something interesting, you're in an interesting place, you have something funny you want to say, whatever, uh, you can record it on your phone. You know, there's a little voice recorder on your phone. It makes a sound file, MP3, send it to me. Keep it short, of course, you know, no more than 20 or 30 seconds. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, my assistant and I and other people will go through them and and uh, we'll pick one and read them or play them every once in a while. All right. What else can I tell you? That's about it. Uh, I did the Amazon thing. Told you about Duncan. Told you about uh, Jim and Andy. I'm going to shut the fuck up then. I'm going to play you out with a little ditty called The Run by a guy named uh, Alex Beraldo. You can hear more of his music at alexberaldo.com, A-L-E-X-B-E-R-A-L-D-O. He listens to the podcast, and uh, I like this tune. So I'll play this, and I'll play some more of his songs in future episodes. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This is Charlotte McKinney. She is as beautiful inside as she is outside, and that 
my friends, is saying something. Hope you enjoy this podcast. I will catch you later. But always think about getting on out, all oh, getting on out on the run. Run, run on the run. Run, run on the run. Run, 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 run. Well, I'ma pack my bags. I gotta leave quick. I got this big city bug. And it's making me sick Well, I'm on my way Wondering why I got all the right things But it's just the wrong time the Mountains of fear And rivers of doom We gonna boogie on soon At the hotel room On the run Run, run On the run Run, run On the run spread it's all i got now but it's all in my head i'm talking in codes and drinking in miles the gods of the road always like my style yeah but nothing to do and nothing to say the devil's in the details and i'm in l.a on the run 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 on the sitting on the Pacific Coast Highway. I'm like, I'm like in the heart of the, the California fantasy right now. 
I'm sitting on the Pacific Coast Highway at a, at a, in an apartment with a view of the Pacific Ocean with an incredibly beautiful blonde woman, fashion model. I'm like living the dream right now. I'm just visiting. I'm living someone else's dream. Everyone's dream. Charlotte, how are You're you? You're living the life. I'm living the life. <laughs> Did you see I posted the photo that Simon took of us in the van? No. Oh, I, I, I want to see it. I tagged you. And I said, like, the caption was like, I, I normally don't pick up hitchhikers, but... <laughs> <laughs> That was so fun. And I love like, you. Dr. Ryan, living the dream. Yeah, <laughs> she's just a friend, guys. You really are. Um, so anyway, thanks for doing this. I know yeah. you're, you're not, like this isn't your normal kind of gig. It takes some courage uh, to step away from your the kind of thing you normally yeah. do. Yeah, I, I enjoy podcasts because for me, it's like not being in front of a camera and it's just your voice which is nice and I don't get that a lot it's usually hair and makeup's on set and being perfect and this can just kind of no one can see me right now so it's really nice (laughs) so they have to like judge you for who you are not what you look like exactly right which is a funny thing because you know most people would look at someone like you and say uh you know, she's got it made, she won the genetic lottery, she's so gorgeous, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and I talked about this the other night, you know, I have some insight into this because I lived with all these fashion models yeah, for yeah. three years in Barcelona. And um, and it's like people don't know, and I, I mean, I don't want to present you, certainly, as someone who's complaining about being lucky, no, right? No, no, of course not. But people don't think about how hard it is and how, like we were just talking earlier, one of the things I learned living with the models is how brutal that business is, mm-hmm. you know? And I actually went to a couple of castings. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, be- how interesting. Very weird, because right? my, my, the reason I lived with the models was I, my ex-girlfriend was a booker. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So when she and I were splitting up, I was traveling a lot, and it was a very amicable separation. I, I love this woman still. She's yeah. like my sister, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was this situation where it's like when I was in town, I was still living with her and still sleeping in the same yeah, bed yeah, with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but we had already acknowledged, like, okay, this it's is kind of over. Yeah. Um, um, but she wasn't like, get your shit out of here. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And That's I was nice. like, I'm off to Brazil and I'm off here. And I'm like, yeah, sorry, I'll deal with kind it. Kind of a base camp, yeah. Yeah, and and so I was like, I, I just have to find a place, you know, just a temporary place to get out of your hair, you know. Yeah. And she said, well, there's this mansion where all these models stay when they're in Barcelona. Maybe, you know, you can talk <laughs> to the lady there. And we, So it was this mansion and all the... This woman had made um, like 15 studio apartments. Yeah. And uh, so these people just come through for a week when they were doing a you know fashion show or like a shoot or whatever. Yeah. And so I was the only permanent resident there, just That's me so and this fun. old lady and a bunch of cats. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what am I talking about? What am I saying? And oh, you the, went to a casting. Oh, so she, so Peggy, my yeah. my ex, yeah, a couple times she called me and she's like, hey. You know, I don't know who it was. It was some fast food chain or something. They're looking for, like, people who look really American. You want to, like, go to a casting? Yeah. I was like, all right, I look American. <laughs> yeah. And 
And there was another one where they were like looking for redheads. Yeah. You know, and uh, before my hair went gray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I went to these castings and it was hard. I remember the one of them, like they get me in front of the camera, a video camera, and they're like, okay, your name and blah, blah, blah. And then turn uh, like, okay, your left and then your right. And so I turned like to my left and then the, you're right and I turned around like with my back to yeah, the camera yeah, yeah, and they yeah. all just laughed like oh this guy is no clue amateur <laughs> such an amateur <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah ju- it was just so weird I hate getting my picture taken yeah I, you know uh, and just the feeling of people just looking at you and judging you like you're an inanimate object mm-hmm. yeah and even I heard them talking about someone as if they weren't there yeah you know what i mean like oh her her neck's too long do you think her neck's too long and like yeah okay next thank you goodbye yeah and you're just like no we don't need you just you don't exist for us it's it's so true i remember the first time it happened to me when i started young in, in miami i was what maybe 16 or something and the guy just came up to me and looked me up and down and said, no, and just shooed me out of the room. <laughs> no. And that's when I go, whew, I guess that this is what I signed up for. And that's when I really, I got my tough skin because if I let that bother me, I would have still been in Miami crying about right. it, you know? But is it, I mean, it's a weird thing. It's like, you know, people will say that public speaking is like the thing that people are most afraid of mm-hmm. in the world. But I don't think it's public speaking so much as rejection. Rejection, oh, for sure. I think that terrifies everybody. Everyone. Even, you know, big people, they just are so afraid of rejection. Yeah. Because it's the worst. But the whole dating thing. I think the reason dating apps, one of the reasons they're so popular is like, you don't really get rejected. They just don't swipe right on you or something. You just don't know, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I've lost a lot of you know, potential relationships because maybe I was too afraid of rejection or they were too afraid of rejection to where neither of us would try to make it work or ask to hang out because I would be too afraid to be rejected as, you know, them. And I think it's gotten way worse now. Because all these guys and girls are, oh, he's just going to reject me. Yeah. So what? If you say, I have a drink and he can't, fuck it. Yeah. You know, move yeah. on and ask him another time. But we, we've kind of lost that. You know, it's funny. I, I was thinking back to my experience at this house. And this was mm-hmm. in the, when was this? Like 95 to 99, roughly, somewhere in there. Yeah. So it was before the internet existed, but not really. No. I mean, there were like... Yeah. It was very early. It was for like works. Right, it and there were no smartphones yeah. and shit like no. that, right? But I, I used to go out sometimes um, with the, some of the models that I became friends with. And it, I learned a lot about uh, I learned a lot about sexuality and women and all this from hanging out with them but I was just one of the connections I made was that one of the problems that they had was they had too many options mm-hmm. like there was this guy um, Dave who lived at the house who I became very close with yeah and he was a really sweet dude super cool guy um, but he like he would go and do a like a swimsuit 
shoot in the Bahamas with a couple of Swedish bombshells mm -hmm. and you know they do catalog or whatever it was yeah. and then he'd come home and he'd be like oh Chris I'm in love I'm in love I met this woman she's so yeah. great and and Dave, Dave looked like Tarzan yeah right? he was this beautiful guy he's like part American Indian part Italian he had the job yeah yeah just beautiful the whole body yeah he never worked out he just had these marble balls and he would stand in the garden <laughs> with these balls and just like roll them in his hands and like in these poses and he was just this fucking beautiful guy yeah but he inside he was this innocent farm boy from the Midwest mm -hmm. and so the point I'm making is that he would fall in love with these women and then he'd like send them poetry and you know do the stuff that his inner self was would, yeah but it's not what he looked like and That's so these so women funny. would reject him right? yeah because the kind of women that he could really resonate with would be terrified of him and they wouldn't go anywhere near him and the women who did go for him were like, I want a Tarzan, I yeah. want a guy who's gonna fuck the hell out of me. Yeah, yeah. You know? And all and a lot of them are so fashion conscious, it's like I that guy would look good with me. That guy makes me you know, look good. Right, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We're a good package. Yeah. And those aren't the kind of women that he was into. So what I'm saying is there was this like misalignment of who he was and what he looked like. Yeah. And that for made sure. me think about women. Mm -hmm. Because women a lot of women you know, you don't control what kind of body you have, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. you could be a, and, and like my ex, she was 11 when she got tits. Oh, I was like, I was 14 and I just had these huge, perfect tits to where I looked like I was 25. Right. It was insane. So your body's saying I'm like 25 year old woman, yeah. but you're a 14 year old girl. Yeah. So there's this like total disconnect between the kinds of attention you're getting and what you're actually able to handle or even interested in. Oh, for sure. So what does that do? It totally fucked me up royally. Really? Yeah, I think it really screwed with me. I was so young, and I didn't know how to handle it, really. Well, who does when you're 14? Yeah, it's I didn't like even know what it... It's like inheriting a lot of money or yeah. something. Like, what are you going to do? So, you know, I was... I had a very carefree family, and we would be in the Bahamas and partying with my older sister, and I would have these guys just all over me and I you know I, I thought that's what you should do and that was cool and that mm. was normal and um but it wasn't yeah <laughs> you know so I started I started at a really young age just being a sexual human being whether I wanted to or not and um so I think that was tough but then you know I just kind of had to go with it and did that did that 14-year-old girl ever have a chance to grow up? No, and that's the thing. I mean, I grew up once once the boobs, you know, it just all, I left school early and I, I never really, and for me, I'm, I am that innocent, young, fun girl, but I, I lost a lot of that age. You're 24 now? Just turned 24, yeah. So you're so there's ten years from when you started looking more yeah, or less right. the way you do now. Yeah. Right. So uh, so that so it's a trip, and you know it's definitely something I need to dig deeper in as I grow up and stuff because I just you know 
men and me was just, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. Lots, lots of attention, bad attention, good attention. Um, and it led, it led me into a lot of trouble. Right. You know, when I went to school, girls hating me and ending up, you know, with the boyfriends, but just because I thought it was normal, you know? So, so it definitely, it definitely, um, I grew up very different, Yeah, <laughs> I would say, so. Did you get, do you get a sense that, how can I say this? It's like, it's like I have friends who are, um, they grow up with a lot of money, mm -hmm. right? Especially yeah. around here in LA, you yeah. see these people. I was talking to someone the other night at that club where we yeah, were, yeah. right? And she, she was quite self-aware. She was like, yeah, I grew up with a lot of money and like, I don't, all my friends, you know, we all went to Beverly Hills High or mm -hmm. whatever. And she, and I said, oh, that can, that can mess you up. And she said, oh, I don't know anyone who isn't fucked up. Yeah. Like my whole world, everybody's distorted, unhappy, you know, suicidal, taking all sorts of psychotropic medications and depressed and. So bad. And it, it, it's so funny how the world is like, everyone's trying to get to this place where exactly. you are, where she is, where, you know, people we know, where they've made it, they made it. Yeah. And then you get there and it's like, wow, nobody's happy here. Yeah. Everybody's fucked up. So, and I, I'm not trying to say you're fucked up, but <laughs> like what, but that experience of being, I, I yeah. remember being 14. Yeah. Like I couldn't handle like remembering where I parked my bicycle. You yeah, know? exactly. And so if I had, you know, like, you know, <laughs> If I had Raquel Welsh throwing herself at me when yeah. I was 14, like, I, I, I don't know what I would have done. I yeah. would have lost my shit. Yeah. So, uh, so when 14 and suddenly it's like, hey, what do you want? You can have anything. Mm -hmm. Come with me on my yacht. Let me yeah. like, take you out to dinner. Let me. Yeah. And your older sister, your parents didn't kind of like rein you in? They, they did. I, uh, I went to high school and I was just getting in so much trouble um, because I drank a lot. Mm. I was a young drink. I started drinking around then to kind of, because I had high anxiety. So to be around these guys and to right. put on this act of right. Charlotte, the big titted, you know, hot babe, I drank so much, right. um, which led to, you know, having alcohol in my locker and just getting in trouble and coming home drunk and you know in Florida they're very strict about rules so so I was just always getting in trouble right so there was a lot of that um, but yeah no, it was it was pretty pretty rough and just not knowing how to handle it and even like you say with people with money or looks they just feel so entitled and that's yeah. something I've never you know been like and never will is seeing people that i go out with now just billionaires because i'm around you know people with money and the way they act so entitled and i don't have to you know i don't have to do this and i can do whatever i want and you know you you get a bit of that and you know yeah. I've, I've had a bit of that or the law doesn't matter to me or i get a speeding right. ticket fuck it i'm not going to court you know so there's, it's weird, you know, you just get that entitlement. Um, so what I was getting at earlier is, is I feel like people who grow up with that entitlement mm -hmm. from a young age, it's very difficult for them, if, if it's possible at all, not to be, uh, not to drink the Kool-Aid in a way. 
You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like it's like you grow up in a religious. Like I've had people on the podcast who grew up as Mormons or yeah. you know strict religious. And they come to a point in their late teens, early 20s, where they're like, oh, wait a minute, I think that's all bullshit. Yeah. But at 14, you don't know what's real and what's not real, right? So if people are telling you, if people are treating you like you're this incredible beauty, and beauty's so important, because in your life it's warping everything, it's just, it's really hard not to believe that. Mm Right? Yeah. Because you're 14. What the fuck do you know? Yeah. But then once you believe it, then you're on this weird hook because then like, oh, is she more beautiful than me? Or am I getting a little fat? Or am I, are my tits too big? Are they too small? Or there's this. <laughs> then you're like in this weird like, oh my God, everything is about how beautiful I am. Everything. And still to this day, I mean, I definitely do need to go to therapy and get back on it. And But it's just really... It's fucked me because I'm so psycho about diet and exercise and looks and looking at other people and should I fix my nose and should I do this or should I, you know, constantly and you get so warped up because for almost 10 years now I've just been looking at photographs of myself or seeing myself on a camera talking and I should fix this and you just get so wrapped up in it. So, you know. But but you have your shit together. How how did you do that? Well, I, I mean, I look, to, you showed up here. I, yeah. I mean, for, <laughs> first of all, you agreed to do this, mm-hmm. right? Which yeah. uh, I think a lot of people wouldn't have yeah. in your position. Secondly, I show up and you're not wearing any makeup and yeah. you're just like, you're just I'm natural like and you, know, you don't look <laughs> horrible. Uh, you know, those are all signs of health to me. Yeah. So how did you keep your shit together to the extent that you have under all that kind of pressure? Because nobody, I mean, it's not like, even famous people, I feel like, I don't know. I imagine if we talked to Leonardo DiCaprio, he would probably say, yeah, you know, Sean Penn took me aside when I was 13 and said, hey kid, this is what you gotta watch out for, you know, someone. I mean, I feel like there's a fraternity in other worlds yeah. You know, maybe yeah, even yeah. with money, maybe some wise rich person takes little rich kids aside and says, yeah. hey kid, you know, you got to watch out for this. Yeah. And that. But I feel like with modeling, it's so competitive, it's kind of hard for me to imagine an older model saying, hey, 13 no. year old who you just took my that. job. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really hard with women too, because even, you know, I've met Cindy Crawford or anything and it's still very... You know, you stay there. I'm, I'm over here. It's, it. There's not, there's no one really in, in, in this, with women. I think, or even me transitioning to acting. It's, no one's gonna be like, oh, don't do this, do this. I have your back, and it's, it's just so competitive. Even when their yeah. time is so way up, they still will never like be like, oh, you know, Charlotte, when I was your age, I, you know, I wish I did that. I have never gotten anything like that um yeah no not really so it's coming from men who you have to always sort of wonder what their agenda is yeah you know i i I grew up with i think if i didn't have my two parents that you know are still together i don't think i'd be nearly where i am um i think just knowing that i had that them and my family was just uh I think is kind of what got me through because mm-hmm. 
boy do I owe my mom so, so much money and didn't you know they've always kind of just kind of been there to fall back on when I've been in you know dark places with you know either getting in trouble or money stuff or anything so I think it's been my family that's kept me pretty mm. there pretty grounded yeah it's your sister in modeling as well no she got married at 21 has a kid and that was always kind of hard for me because my sister always led this perfect life and you know lives in Newport with a gorgeous well-off husband and I was just kind of the disaster kid trying to make it in Hollywood so you know that was tough for me but um but my mom and dad are so cool they know Charlotte will never live a life like that mm. you know they kind they kind of get it kind of for for being not in any of this that they uh I'm lucky for sure how old were you when you came out to California mm, I was in Miami I was in New York and then I came here maybe when I was 17 turning 18. So you were doing in Miami, what happened? You, you, you were discovered in a club or something? No, no. I just kept working and trying because I, I, I moved to Miami, dropped out of high school, moved to Miami and went to every modeling agency and they said, you're too short, your tits are too big, no one, we can't book you catalog or swimsuit, you're just, you don't, you're not. So you sought modeling? Oh you yeah. You pulled in. Oh it. no, uh. I wish, I wanted that. Huh. And I thought I, you know, growing up with men being like, oh you're so perfect and beautiful, I'm like, oh I got this. And I walk in and they're like, are you crazy? You're short, this isn't, no. But so, you're not short, you're like. I'm 5'7". So I guess for fashion, that's exactly. A little, huh. So I go fuck, you know. I just kept at it. So there's a year there, and then I got an agent in New York. I remember, and was back and forth Miami, and New York, and nothing was happening. Just no, no one looked twice at me. So it was almost three years, and wow. My sister and my parents are like Charlotte. You know, maybe you should find something else. You know. So why why did you want it so bad? I just want. I I knew I had what it took. I knew I, I would see these girls, and I go. I just I knew I could. I knew I could do it. I was just so determined, and so um, finally they're like, okay, well, where do you, where are you gonna live? You're living out of a suitcase in Miami and there, and, and you're not making any money. Um, so I go. You know, I think I should try California. They seem more open to shorter beach girls, hmm. blonde hair. So I go, okay, I'll, I'll go out there. And my sister was living in Newport at the time. So I felt, I felt good about it. And my parents kind of helped me come out here. And then couple, am I okay? Yeah. No, it's mine. <laughs> I'm adjusting my mic. My mic keeps, uh, you got yours on perfectly. I'm perfect. So well, I'm in a perfect kind of. Yeah, mine keeps rubbing my shirt, <laughs> and I don't know what the hell. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, I was taking advantage of you telling a story to adjust my mic. Um, what was I saying? So you're oh, talking about. So how then you came I got here, and then a couple weeks in, I, w I was actually discovered by uh, Paul Marciano for Guess. So uh, that's kind of right. like. So I've, I guess I had, was... Had a booking or a casting? No, he found a photo of me on the internet. Really? Mm hmm Wow. So that's kind of... I got lucky there. Yeah. And uh, rode that way for a while, and and thank God he did, because it was so close to... It was like the second I was just about to be like, fuck it, I'll be a yoga instructor, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 
thank you god so uh, uh so that happened that's a big gig guess yeah right? so i've been doing that for years um but then you, you i've been learning you ride these waves i was really popular then and doing the carl's jr and cooking oh, a lot the carl's the famous yeah. salacious hamburger yeah the super bowl and bless you <laughs> when you think oh, it's coming, then it goes oh, away. Oh man, I lost the sneeze. <laughs> I hate that. Uh, you were on the Super Bowl. You were a Super Bowl ad. Yeah, so what? I got their most views they had ever had. Oh, and then that guy got in trouble, right? Like he was. Yeah, they stopped. Was he running for president, or he he did yeah, something in politics? Yeah, he started working with Trump or something. I don't. Oh, know. that's what it was. Yeah, and they're like that guy. He's yeah, the guy who likes sexy girls eating hamburgers. Yeah. Great, I, I never great understood. Guy. <laughs> great guy, great guy. <laughs> um, but then that kind of skyrocketed. Yeah. So for a year, I was just like killing it, and you know, magazine covers and, and gas and that, and and then I got into acting, and then you know, I I have really busy months, and I have really fucking slow months where yeah. I don't get one job. I right. think all of August, I don't think I don't think I had a job. Yeah. So it's so scary, and I live on this edge, and I have nightmares. And yeah. When am I gonna get my next paycheck? I have to pay my rent, and um, so so it's 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 scary. Yeah, total yeah. In, insecurity. Oh my god. Yeah. And, you know. Um, but you're only twenty three. You're twenty four. Yeah. I mean, that's a good time to be insecure. I'm fifty five, yeah. and I'm wondering, you know, like ah, like I have no, I have no savings. I have no right? pension. <laughs> It's like, yeah. I, I hope I die quick. That, that's <laughs> right. my retirement plan is I die know, quick. I know, the medical man. bills and all that. It's like, it's so expensive. I'm like, just, if it, yeah, that's so true. Um, so, so it's tough. It definitely wears on me. And, and we all live this life now with social media, like I was saying, where everyone looks so happy and right. I'm jetting here and I'm on planes and I'm yeah. going here and I just booked this, but... Um, right, because you don't like post. I'm, I'm sitting at home. I'm sitting I'm at home. I'm Nothing's so happening. depressed. I just <laughs> lost a job. There should be like sad Instagram. There should. Just to balance there it out. There really, really should. You know? And I think I want to make that. Here's another shot of me sitting on the toilet, yeah. crying, yeah. eating ice cream. Yeah, here's me in like my emotional <laughs> eating, overeating. <laughs> Uh, um, smoking joints in my apartment because I'm so sad. Yeah. But yeah, so 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 balancing that is is crazy. Even this morning, I'm sitting in bed and I'm just scrolling on this Instagram. Every these girls are doing this and Fashion Week, and it just it wears on you. You know? you know, what I was thinking earlier, I never really got around to it because I was talking about David. But um, I was thinking one of one of the things I noticed. Uh, mm -hmm. hanging out with the models was I would go out with these dudes go to a bar in Barcelona mm -hmm. and I had never seen women act the way they acted around these guys you know like yeah for example I'd walk into a bar with you know two or three guys and we'd like start playing pool yeah and within 15 minutes there were like a dozen women just sort of hanging around mm -hmm. uh, asking to buy drinks for us including me just because I was in yeah, the group yeah, you yeah. know and um, like you know handing these guys phone numbers and you know what are you doing later like you know, I live near here and just sort of like p 
please fuck me. Yeah. And you don't see women do the please fuck me thing unless you're hanging out with, you know, George Clooney or yeah. uh, or guys who just are like genetically. <laughs> I mean, I remember walking down the street one day with. And I, I speak Spanish, and these guys didn't because they were just in town for a week. And mm -hmm. we were walking down the street, and these two women walked past us, and she was like, "Is that Brad Pitt? Was that Brad Pitt?" And he didn't look anything like Brad Pitt. Yeah. But he was just so good looking that yeah. in her mind, it was like, "Must be Brad Pitt." Yeah. You know? Right. Um, but these guys, uh, pretty much without exception, were really unhappy and lonely. And it's because they had so many options that it was never enough. It was never like, they would never meet a woman where they were like, oh, she's perfect. I just want to, like, I just want to be with her. I just want to, they were always like looking at, you know, what else is available. I remember Jerry Seinfeld said, women watch Women, what was it? Like, women want to know what's on TV. Men want to know what else is on TV. So you give a man the, the remote and it's just scan, 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 scan. Even if you hit something so like, oh, that's a good movie. Yeah, but what else is on? Dan, Dan, Dan. Yeah, yeah. And so I, what I was thinking is, like, the life of a model, even in the 90s, is kind of like the life of almost everyone now with dating apps. It's This is like a topic I... I uh... I just, it's, I find, because I, I deal with it so much. I mean, my old boyfriend was an actor, a washed-up actor. A washed-up actor. Oh, get it in there. You can cut that. <laughs> um, just don't say his name. Yeah, and no matter it what. It wasn't, it wasn't Clint Eastwood, was it? No. Okay. No. <laughs> I, uh funny story there mm. um and so we we met and we were together and we were together for a while but no matter what everywhere we went looking around everywhere uh -huh. and I was I was 20 at the time I I was beautiful and would just dress up for him and mm. spend so much money on hair and makeup and to look nice and we would go sit down at the chateau and I would lose him in the bathroom or he would be here and just couldn't sit with me, his girlfriend, who he loved, I guess, and just couldn't, you know, and every morning on the phone taking screenshots of women because he grew up as this actor and always getting pussy and just couldn't, just could not. And like all these guys, right. I won't say names, but big actors that I know just, they're, they're just you they're all over the place yeah every day is a new girl uh over it you know while they're fucking the girl they're getting a new girl it's just yeah. so and that to me is what i've kind of lost all my hope of finding a guy and potentially or something is just there's just too many options okay but so now you're talking about how it affects the men you're with but does it affect you too are you to what extent are you able to focus on one guy I, I think I am you are if I like them and is that okay if you like them now mm -hmm. what about if as every relationship does what about when the relationship hits difficulty yeah oh for sure are you do you think you're able to stick it out or are you like fuck I don't need to deal with this I got a hundred guys yeah. trying to well that's true you know then 
but I've, I still haven't been in any great relationships to really stick it out, you know. What's the longest relationship you've been in? My first relationship was on and off for four years, and then my last relationship was two. So I've always been kind of a relationship girl, but th this is like the longest I've been single. Mm. And I like it. I like to go to bed lately and know I'm not getting cheated on and nothing to worry about. So it's, it's, it's nice. I just, you know, I'm enjoying being alone right now because mm. I've just dealt with it for so long. And yeah. I think it just, I think the guys I go for, are the guys in the industry right, and the guys who have all these options. You know. So, again, you know, flipping things around from mm -hmm. what I was saying earlier, one of my buddy David's issues was that um, his inner self, as I was saying, was was very different from what he appeared to be, right? Yeah. So I introduced him to a woman one time, actually a woman I was seeing, and. Mm -hmm. um, she was great and it wasn't we didn't have an exclusive relationship yeah, yeah. and she was really cool and really sexy and yeah and i knew he was going through a tough time and i introduced them and she was like you know would you mind if i hooked up yeah. with him i was like no he's a great guy yeah and he lived like just in the same place <laughs> right so she like went out and spent the night with him like i'll put my headphones on <laughs> yeah Block it that's, that's right um but uh, but the problem, and I was, I was kind of hoping they'd get together, you know, like, yeah, you yeah. know, as a relationship, because I, she would have been really good for him. But the, and she was beautiful, but she was normal. Mm -hmm. She wasn't model beautiful. She was just normal woman beautiful. Mm -hmm. And he was so like he liked her a lot, and he we talked about it, and he was yeah. really into it, and she was really, you know, he had a good time in bed with her and everything. But but he was accustomed to these fucking gorgeous, you know, supermodels. And he was fucked. He was fucked because he couldn't be happy with a normal woman. Exactly. Even a beautiful, smart, funny, exactly. great, yeah. normal woman. He was just accustomed to this sort of top-of-the-line sure. physical beauty. Are you like that? I mean, could you go out with a normal guy? Or do you need to be with some actor, you know? I don't think I could. Ooh, nice. And I can admit that. And I... Um, I just don't, mostly for me is because I don't think they really understand it. And so I'm, it's not an aesthetic thing? No, I, I mean, if I met a great guy who wasn't in the business, that'd be, that'd be nice. Well, what, well, I don't mean in the business. I mean, let's say he's a director, so he knows the business, he knows what you're going through. Yeah, you know, that, But he's that not nice. like 6'4 and ripped. He's just like a normal looking dude. Normal. I've, I've dated normal. I mean, I've. You told me the other night you were into old dudes. Now yeah. you're breaking my heart. I had all I, these hopes. <laughs> I had all these. I did. Hopes. I dated a very older guy when I lived in Miami. The normal. <laughs> older. Was a, you were th 14. He I was 25. Was, no. <laughs> I wish. Um. No. I've, I've. I have. But yeah, I get. You do get used to it. Yeah. It's weird. It is weird, and it feels, when you're getting used to it, it feels like such a blessing, and then, you know, it's like getting addicted to heroin. It's really fun while you're getting hooked, and then you're like, oh, shit, now where am I? Yeah, but I've also been with beautiful, beautiful men, and that are just as exciting as, you know, for me, it's all about the whole package and being funny and, and, and having a, 
you know, if you're good looking and you're just annoying, I'm. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think I'm really into looks, looks like intense, but it doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're but, honest about it. That's yeah. good. That's good. But um, it's funny. I'm. I mean, I've. I probably sound like an asshole when I say this, but like I've been with a lot of very, very beautiful women, uh-huh. and uh, and and I always when I was younger, I didn't want that to matter, but it did. Mm-hmm. So I would be with someone who was, you know, just aesthetically, I just loved looking at her. Mm-hmm. And I would convince myself that she was so great. Yeah. And, you know, then when the looks thing started to wear off, because you get used to it, and then it's just like, oh, it's you again. And you forget, you know, there will be moments where the light's just right. And like, oh, my God, she's so beautiful. Yeah, but no. after a while, it's just it's just her. And then you start to realize, like, yeah, she's not really as funny as I thought or smiley. It's true. Um, but at this point, and maybe it's just because the testosterone diminishing a little bit, like I think I'm actually at the point in my life where it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Like right? I've been saying it didn't matter for yeah, a long time. Yeah, but now you're like, it actually really doesn't matter. I mean, not, I, I mean, I can't be with someone who's you know, like we were talking the other night about someone who smells good or like has, you know, hair growing in weird places, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, but a woman who's just like attractive in an in inner sense and in the outer sense is like, well, whatever, you know, yeah. 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 Uh, that's actually, for the first time in my life, I guess, that's actually that's fine. Nice. Yeah. No, I feel it I is. feel like I'm kind of I mean I, I feel like I'm kind of there with that cuz I was seeing someone just for a while just because they were so fun to look at and and then I realized every time they talked it just made me sick. They were horrible and yeah. they were just not nice and yeah. and to me you can look amazing and and if you're just like not a nice or good person it just Ugh. Yeah, it makes me sick. Cause I'm very, I'm very giving and I'm very kind. And to me, you can be gorgeous and have money. And if you're a piece of shit, you mean nothing to me. Yeah. You know? So. And unfortunately, there are exceptions, but I think a lot of times, being gorgeous and having lots of money makes it much more likely that you're going to be a piece of shit. Exactly. Because of that entitlement we we're talking about exactly. earlier. Exactly. His yeah. entitlement just made me so disgusted it was just absolutely repulsive yeah. to where i couldn't even sleep with the guy i was like Ugh, just get away from me right. you know because at the start you're like oh cool he has this or he comes from the but then it was like yeah disturbing almost yeah well and, and you face this thing where you either acknowledge how repulsed you are by it or you start to join Mm-hmm. And you start to treat people the way he treats and I, them. And I've never been that person. Yeah. So that was a... So I've learned from it. Yeah. I think at this point, I think the most important... Qual- I mean, sexual compatibility is big. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not about looks as much as different energy, I think. And I agree. Like, if she's into the same kind of energy you're into, yeah. then, then that's great. Um, but the other thing that's really important is uh, being able to relax around someone. For sure. 
I spent a lot of time in relationships where I couldn't ever really relax. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, that's that's a sign of like really liking someone is just being your full self and like not putting on that like, hi, like yeah. what, what can I get? You know, I that yeah. I've noticed that for sure. I always really like it when I'm with a woman and she farts. You do? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but she's comfortable in her own skin. I mean, like my first boyfriend. We were we were like brother and sister and fart and, and yeah. burp and be disgusting, but right. I loved him and he loved me right. no matter what. It was right. so unconditional, and um, I've never really found that again. But well, you need to fart more. <laughs> Do you fart on first dates? You got to fart on the first day just to it filter just, just out. To, yeah, that's so true. Just like, what do you do? I'm a model, <laughs> and um, thanks. I love I, Mexicans. <laughs> Thank you for taking me. <laughs> the guacamole is great. But that's so true. <laughs> I had. I was talking to a friend that got a divorce, and I was like, he's like, yeah. And she never even shit in the house. And I go, then she's hiding something. She like, doesn't shit in the house? Like, <laughs> you know, how could you be married to someone? Is she like shitting in the garage <laughs> or in the backyard I'm like, or she's sketchy. Like, you've been together for so many years and you've never heard her fart or like go yeah. into the bathroom. That's yeah. like, she's she's very insecure or something. Yeah. There. So, Well, that's it. Like women, I think a lot of women, particularly in America, uh can't admit that they're animals mm -hmm. and see this I always said this I've since I was a teenager like yeah. for me uh, an essential quality in a woman is that she's comfortable taking a shit in the bushes okay. like you know because I like to camp I like to be mm -hmm. out if I'm with a woman it's like no I need to go to a Starbucks like yeah. fuck you bitch go there's a tree go take your shit and yeah here's a you know a wet wipe yeah and shut the fuck up if she, you know, I can't be with women who are like, oh, it's sticky. I can't. Eh, eh, eh. Yeah, yeah. Well, that means we're not going to travel together. That means you're pretending you're not an animal, which means you're not going to be good in bed, which means you're not going to like acknowledge me as an animal. We're all fucking monkeys. Like, yeah. let's start with that, you know, mm -hmm. and then everything will be cool. But um, I don't know. Why the fuck are we talking about shitting in the woods? Oh, oh, like women like that is like, you can't take a shit in your own house? Like, that's what a house is for. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I, I, I thought that was so funny. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm like a can shit in the woods right now, but <laughs> eventually. You could, come on. Maybe. I don't camp. Well, if you go off with our friend in the van, as we were talking about, you're, there's no toilet in there, so you're going to be shitting somewhere. I'm not going to eat always. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also this point at the start where you're not comfortable with the person. Yeah, but you got to get past that. I mean, I'm not, look, I'm not advocating that everybody fart all over each other. I'm just saying, in my experience, a woman who starts. Like, my wife is a doctor, mm -hmm. right? So for her, a body's a fucking body. That's she, true. She has zero, like, gross-out factor about mm -hmm. the human body. Yeah. And so that makes it really easy to relax around her, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, whatever. If I, you know, like, I wake up and I got something weird in my throat and I'll be like, and she'll like, yeah. get it out, you know? Yeah. Spit it out. Yeah. Um, there's no, you don't, like politeness and manners and you know uh, 
Yeah, that's all bullshit. Yeah, especially in a relationship. If you're behind closed doors and you're not out in public, and yeah, I think um, I think the human body and all that isn't anything to be right. grossed out about, especially with your spouse. Yeah, I mean, I I have a friend who does the Dutch oven on his girlfriend. I think that's cruel. You, sh- you can't. You know about Dutch oven? When you fart and you put the, you put the sheets over yeah, her. I yeah. had. I know. Like my ex would always fart and all that, and but it, it didn't. You know, I don't know. I don't mind it for me. For me, I wasn't like ripping ass all the time. So. <laughs> I try. You know, but then there's all. Some people say there's also a point once you get at that level the sex isn't good because you know you've just shared too much yeah so there's i've heard that from a lot of people they're like oh i would never fart in front of him because you know then you know they'll be grossed out grossed by out and the sex is bad so there's there i've heard that too so but see i think it goes the other way i i mean i can understand that but i think that's more familiarity if you mm-hmm. live with someone else it's not that the sex is going to get bad it's that they become like there's there's this book called The Erotic Mind uh, by Jack Morin and he wrote in that that passion equals attraction plus an obstacle and if you think of every love story you've ever read there's attraction and there's an obstacle always yeah you know and so what we do is we remove the obstacle right so mm-hmm. like you know, after this podcast, you and I are going to fall in love. And then it's like, oh, but I want to be with you. Oh, but you're too old for me. Yeah. And then, oh, but you're too young for me. And then finally we're like, oh, fuck it. Let's just live together. And exactly. then we live together. And then a year later, it's going to be like, yeah, what's for dinner? You know, because the obstacles removed. Right. So I think that happens anyway. But my experience with sexuality is that the thing about women who are afraid of their animality is they're not good in bed. Because when you're fucking, you're an animal. Mm-hmm. I mean, really good fucking is an- two animals, right? Mm-hmm. And so women who are like, no, I'm not an animal. I'm an angel. I don't shit. I don't fart. I don't do. <laughs> they also don't come. So, you know, because coming is like, sorry, it's like shitting, farting, eating, sleeping. It's one of those things your body does. Yeah, and, and if being open. Right. To it. And you got to like let it happen. Because yeah. who knows? Maybe you'll fart when you come. Then what? <laughs> I leave. I'm done. I'm out of there. Yeah. And I also think I also think that that's an age thing, too. In what sense? I feel like you get to a point where you're comfortable. I feel like I'm still not really there of being oh, comfortable. And, you know. In your, in your animality? Yeah, in relation, yeah. you know. It's also yeah. surfacey at the start until I'm really, you know, I've I've definitely had relationships where I've been super comfortable, but then I kind of lost that spark of, you know, I was like, yeah. I'm shit in front of him. What is, you know? Well, <laughs> you ever fake yeah. an orgasm? Yeah. Yeah. Not often. I try. I mean, yeah. No. Yeah, I have. You have how? <laughs> I don't get when guys say they have. Is that possible? Yeah, sure. Especially with a condom. I okay. mean, she's not looking in the condom. Like, yeah, let me see that. Hold on a yeah, second. Yeah, that's true. Just to wrap it up. Just like, yeah, I'm kind of, <laughs> kind of done here, and I'm not really feeling it, and 
kind of tired and you know yeah gonna call you a taxi (laughs) (laughs) hey sometimes you have to yeah yeah. but now i mean in this recent no one really is like oh let me make sure she comes and then i'll come and it's just like oh we're fucking and if they come they come and if they don't they don't really yeah that's too bad. For sure. Really? You all these tantric guys around here? Think? Yeah, they don't care. No? No. <laughs> I'm off the clock, bitch. Really? Yeah. No kidding. For sure. I, I think I've never, unless I'm like in a relationship with someone, I'm not like, okay, go down on me for two hours. You know, it's, right. it's kind of just, oh, we're having sex, fun, 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 fun. Yeah. You know. I've always, you know, from my earliest sort of sexual experience, I was really uh, fascinated by it. I had my first girlfriend came when I went down on her, but not when we fucked. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's that's a puzzle. Like, how, why is that? What's going on? Yeah. And so I had this, I'm 15, right? I had like four or five different types of vibrators. I had Benoit balls. I 15. Yeah, I had this box. It was like a, one of those things you buy at Staples that you can lock and it's fireproof for your passport and stuff. <laughs> so I had this thing. It's like not quite a safe, but it was a lock yeah, box yeah. that had all these sex toys in it. And, um, and she was cool enough that she's like, all right, I don't know, like, let's yeah, explore yeah. it, you know? And I'd be like, so what about, you know, like, on a scale of one to five, you know, five being like, holy shit, one being nothing. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, what about this? What about that? Yeah, what about yeah, this? Yeah. And I was just mapping the shit out. Yeah, well, that's smart. Yeah. That's the was, age to do it, I guess. Yeah, it just, it just really interested me, like, how women were so different from men and, mm-hmm. like, you know, wow, she can, like, come again, like, right after? Mm-hmm. And it, like... You know, and I come and I'm like, what's on TV? Yeah, you know, yeah. like totally different responses. Yeah. I, I just found it really fascinating from a young age. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think men and women are just very different. Yeah. Yeah. I had a woman on who's a sex worker and she was talking about how, like for her, the biggest difference is that when men are turned on, it's like their entire world is focused on what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they come, it's like change Done. the channel. It's yeah. over, totally over. Yeah. And for women, it's like, wh- no, it's like, we're, I'm still here. Yeah. You know, what's going on? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's like a real fundamental difference. Like yeah. it takes women longer to get there, but once they're there, like they can stay there. Yeah. yeah. Guys are just like, okay. Yeah. And you're not, we talked, I don't know if you want to talk about yeah. this, but the other night we were talking, like, you, you're not into other women, bisexual thing. That doesn't really work for you. Not really. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, yeah, no. It's funny how that became, like, you wouldn't know this, but this whole girls kissing girls thing, that didn't start till like, the 90s. I know. I was, I was an adult. I was off traveling. Yeah. And I came back, and suddenly there are all these girls kissing each other on TV. And it was like, I what remember, the fuck happened? I remember my mom finding out I was at a high school party and I, like, kissed my best friend. And, like, oh, my God, that was just, Charlotte, what are you doing? Are you because that was so taboo for my mother. Like, right. she wasn't making out with her girlfriends. And, yeah. you know. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of like a nine, you know, 
oh, let's explore it or let's I think check it, it out. Can, I think it was a porn thing now yeah. that I think of it. Because yeah. the girls kissing girls and the no uh, pubic hair thing kind of happened at the same time. Yeah. That's that's so funny, yeah. Because my, my mom's pretty old school with that stuff. So she'd always be like, oh, my God, you're shaving so young or you're, you know. Um, but it's just kind of how... Yeah. How I grew I never grew up with like right. people with pubic, you know, my older sister would just use a tampon or just, you know, it was all just, this is what you did. And right. Right. So, um, it was like, you didn't have a choice. Right. Well, that's the thing about growing up in the world. You, you grow up in a world, you sort of, that's your reality. You yeah. don't question it until yeah. you're older. Exactly. And you're like you're 24. It's you mm-hmm. seem a lot older. I mean, not yeah. looking, but your personality. No, you it's seem a true. Lot older. Yeah, even when I was, I was like this when I was 20, or you know, and that's why I did like dating older guys is because I didn't, I didn't have time for young guys bullshit, and I don't know. I'm kind of ahead of my time, not with like school or smart and books right. and stuff like that, but you know, socially, right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm like we have this mutual friend Simon who I think is I mean, he's probably he's older than he's quite a bit older than you. I don't know how mm-hmm. old he is, mid 30s or something mm-hmm. or around there. Um but he's been in sort of a similar trajectory, you know, modeling and TV and movies and all this stuff. And I feel like he's sort of at at this point in his life, he's like going back and doing things he didn't do in those years. He's mm-hmm. reading a lot of books and he's like yeah. thinking about a lot of stuff that he sort of jumped missed, past and out on. now yeah. he's like, okay, wait a minute, I want to go back and fill in. Yeah. Which is really cool. I, yeah. I, I admire it's him nice for to that. See, it, it's nice to see that. I've noticed that he's like, oh, like, he's just so interested in stuff. And, yeah. and you, he was just so like, oh, you have to listen to this. And, and, um, and it's nice to see. It is. It is. Because he's like, he's somebody, like I mention a book and then two weeks later he's like, oh, dude, I love that book. I'm, you know, halfway through yeah. it. I'm like, oh, I just mentioned it offhand. And he's like, he takes it seriously. I love that. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. And it's a cool thing to see in somebody who doesn't need to be that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's cool that yeah. somebody's. And I see that I see that in you too. There's you're paying attention to things you don't need to pay attention to. Yeah. But and it's good for you that you do. Yeah, I pay attention to such, and sometimes it's it's not good because I get so involved, or if I see like a homeless person or something, I get so like attached. As opposed to some people just walk by, you know. So I really I pick up on things a lot. Yeah. Even as a kid, you know, I just pick up on other kids too much and get sad so easily or so you know but I think it's a good trait to have is picking up on really small things I guess it is but it can be very inconvenient for someone who's living in a surface world yeah which is what modeling is Mm -hmm. and acting yeah you know unless you're you know I mean some actors are in a very deep world yeah you know but um yeah, commercials and shit like that. Nobody gives a fuck what your backstory is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, just smile and eat the burger. Um, 
Yeah. So what's going on? What's what's I know you have to take off pretty soon here, but what's too bad. where's the future? Where are you going now? You you're moving into acting. Yeah. Are you sort of feeling like you're over modeling or it's you so just weird. want to have a plan B. I, I dropped my modeling agency and I'm like, I'm just acting, I'm just acting and then I'm like, Okay, I need some more income. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I I'm not making a ton of money on acting right now so I signed back with my New York agent and so I'm just I'm trying to just do it all I, I've learned to not eliminate things right. and to just always keep the door open right. and um, even this week like I've kind of had a rough week so I went to Children's Hospital and was there all night reading to the kids and I think for me my biggest thing right now is not being stuck in this world and getting so focused on jobs and this mm. and that and finding other stuff that I'm really passionate about with, you know, health and fitness and and helping. And so for me, I think it's just trying to find that balance, which is really hard. And I try and act like I have it, but I don't. So it's slow ride <laughs> getting there. You know, at 24, I think acting like you have it is about as good as you can get. Yeah. Because 24... You know, one of my favorite quotes is, admire those who seek the truth, but fear those who claim to have found it, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's especially relevant for young people. Because, like, I, I really like young people who are like, you know, tell me something I haven't heard. Mm -hmm. I don't like young people who are like, I got it all figured out, man. Yeah. No, you don't. You fucking kid. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Nobody has it figured out, right? No. Especially not a 24-year-old. Yeah. So, you know, trying to trying to keep cool and act as if you know what you're doing, but then also acknowledge that exactly. you don't. That's and the I best don't. place you can be. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. I admire yeah. that about you. You're, yeah. Um, but yeah. You're but amazingly vulnerable for somebody who's been doing what you do for so long. Yeah. That's really hard. Yeah. So, um, I think just, I've always kind of been like, oh, I don't like learning. I don't like reading. And I think trying to get to learn and, and learn from other people and listening to people like you and that's me growing up. I feel like, cause I was dyslexic right. in high school and I was like, oh, I don't care. I can't right. read. Fuck it. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do it. Well, you were dealing with all this other stuff. Yeah. So I, yeah. so I feel like now since I've missed school, I want to get kind of into not school but smart people and doctors and and um stuff like that yeah so it's cool i could talk to you all day yeah i was too. asking you the other day i'm like are you a therapist <laughs> no, no i'm not a therapist <laughs> <laughs> no i don't know i may need that you may need to cancel the podcast and just come hang out with just me in malibu every day i'd be happy coming out with you all right, I'll let you get to your, your yoga class or whatever yes. it is. Thanks Thank for doing this. Thank you so this. much. Yeah. So much fun. I love All right, it. I'll put up a link to your Instagram or whatever you yeah. want on the website. Perfect. People can find you. Charlotte McKinney. Thank you. Thanks. What a sweetheart. Um, yeah, that's Charlotte McKinney. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, and uh, yeah, I hope you did. You can support this podcast in different ways if you'd like to. If you have some cash that you'd like to throw at us, that would be great. If I mean, 
Right now, I got, I don't know how many people are on Patreon, a few hundred people on Patreon, and it's great. It's it's really helpful. Um, and you might say, well, yeah, how much do you need, dude? I mean, it's a podcast, you know? The thing is, the more, the bigger the budget gets, I can hire an assistant that I actually pay rather than a patchwork of kind volunteers using some of their spare time to help out. Um, and that would allow me to get uh, different guests that are harder to get sometimes, not necessarily more famous. I, you know, Jim Carrey. Yeah. <laughs> I'd start chasing, I'd pay someone to chase Jim Carrey around. Um, but also uh, traveling to, you know, sit down with people in different parts of the country. Um, that's the main thing. And, and uh, an assistant, that's what that would pay for. So anyway, it's always good to have uh, more of a budget. So if you have some cash and you like the podcast, you know, the way I look at it is like it, the podcast is like a cafe uh, one of the cafes where they don't hassle you. So you can come, you can sit down, you can hang out, you can plug your computer in. Nobody's going to bug you. But every once in a while, you know, you would buy a coffee, right? So if you listen to every episode of this podcast, you're spending like 10, 15 hours a month probably in the cafe. So think about how many coffees you would buy if you were spending 15 hours sitting in a cafe. <laughs> That's how I look at it. Uh, all right. You can look at it any way you want. You're welcome to hang out. You don't have to pay shit if you don't have any money. Um, or even if you do. But uh, Patreon is a great way to do it. You go in there, give him your credit card, and then just say, yeah, give this dude, you know, five bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, 80 bucks a month. I think that I had a setting there for 85 bucks because that's how much it costs to fill up uh, Scarlett Johansson with one tank of diesel. So if you want to say, hey, I'll buy, I'll fill this guy's tank, uh, his van up every once in a while, you can do that. The other way uh, that uh, funding comes to support my endeavors is if people use the Amazon affiliate link, uh, which is at my website, tangentiallyspeaking.com. You see it there in the pad on the, the border on the right. Just click on that. And then anything you buy at Amazon on that trip, uh, a small percentage, about four or five percent kicks my way. And um, Amazon does not support the podcast. This is just something that I'm announcing. Uh, I use all of this money for Coke and Hooker's as I've said previously. Uh, let's see, what else? Reviews on iTunes are great. If you, uh, you know, just go in there, rate the podcast, leave a review. People see those and they're like, oh, well, look at that. 700 and 800 reviews. That's a serious podcast. I think when people invite me on a podcast, that's one of the things I look at to, to gauge how serious it is and how long it's been running, how many, you know, listeners they have. If it's like two people reviewed it on iTunes, then I know it's somebody, you know, just sort of starting out and they don't, um, they don't have a, a, a thing going, a real uh, working project. But if I see hundreds of reviews, then I know it's a pretty well-established thing. So the more of those, the better. The intro music is by Basin and Range. The song's called Bright Side of the Sun. You can hear more of their music at basinandrange.com. There's a Reddit discussion of the podcast. If you're on Reddit, look for Tangentially Speaking, and you'll find a couple thousand people in there talking about recent episodes. I go in there at least every once a week or so and answer questions and, and post stuff, and you know we talk about what's happening. Um, what else? There's a There's a 
um, uh, board host, I guess it's called, for local groups. So if you're in a town somewhere and you want to meet other people who listen to this podcast, which I highly recommend, you're cool people, uh, go to tspeaking.boardhost.com and you'll see different listings for different states and cities. Uh, don't forget, if you want some shirts, my mom is standing by ready to send them out. You can order those on my website, tangentiallyspeaking.com. Just go to the store and uh, all the shirts are made by Shore Design T-shirts in Thailand. Uh, they're fantastic shirts. Everybody who buys them, that's what I hear from people every time. is like, dude, these shirts are really nice. This is really nice material. It's, it's very thin cotton, but it's not flimsy. I don't know what their system is, but it's the nicest T-shirt material around. Um, and you can buy uh, yoga stuff from them at shoredesigntshirts.com. On my thing, it's just t-shirts. We have um, Civilized to Death shirts, Sex at Dawn, Paleo Modern, uh, with one of the other, other a couple other styles, I forget. Um, you know, my uncle was telling me, this is, see what you guys think about this. My uncle was suggesting that I should do a t-shirt with a like a cartoon drawing of the van and that says Vanthropology. Is that a good idea? Would you buy a t-shirt that had a cool, like, funky van design and said Vanthropology? I don't know. I would, probably, but I, don't, I, I never know what other people think. So if you think that's a cool idea, I don't know, vote it up, say something on Twitter or, you know, wherever wherever you see me on, uh, if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram, I'm that Chris Ryan. Or you can send an email um, with Vanthropology in the subject line. I don't know that's what you're talking about. If that seems like a good idea, maybe I'll talk to Shore Designs and see about that. Actually, the first thing I would do is have a contest among you folks who are artistically inclined. Send in your sketch ideas and then I'd put, post them online and have listeners vote and we'll figure it out from there. So we'll see if that seems like a good idea. All right. And lastly, I'm going to play you out with the song I always play, which is called Smoke Alarm. And it's by Carsey fucking Blanton, who wrote a really interesting blog post recently about the Me Too movement and, and the sort of frenzy around that that is uh, both positive and has negative possibilities. Check her out. Her website is CarseyBlanton.com. Here's to you, Bennett. And Justin, miss you guys. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're gonna say. When everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone. I don't want to give the end away, but we're gonna die one day. Your body is an animal, doesn't ask for much. A little music and a soft touch, why don't you let it out to play? Your heart is.
to the ground. 